Let's open our Bibles together to the 115th Psalm, Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. On the basis of Psalm 115 and many other passages of Scripture, the Heidelberg Catechism explains to us the meaning of the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Last time we covered the address of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Now the Lord's Prayer has six petitions. Petitions are requests, things we ask of God. And this is the first request we make, hallowed be thy name. Lord's Day 47. Question and answer 122, which is the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly to know thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further, also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Beloved of God, if you think for a moment 
on the prayers that you have prayed in the past week. And if I think back on the prayers that I've prayed in this past week, what were the types of requests that you and I made of Jehovah God, our Father? Have our petitions, our requests, been anything at all like this one? Hallowed be thy name. Have they had anything of that flavor to them? Have any of them really been in that kind of category? Where it's a request, not just for something for me, and not even just for something for my brothers and sisters in Christ, but a kind of request that's a request for him, hallowed be thy name. Are our priorities right? Are our prayers, and specifically now our petitions, being shaped by the way our Lord taught us to make our petitions? How many times have you prayed the Lord's Prayer? How many times have you been taken through a study of the Lord's Prayer following the Heidelberg Catechism? Are your prayers being shaped by that prayer and mine? This petition is the first petition. It is the chief petition. Hallowed be thy name. The other petitions are to be governed by this one. And really the the smell, the flavor of this petition should carry itself through in our others so that all the other petitions, requests we make, really in the end serve this one. If this petition doesn't have a kind of pride of place in our minds, then we're not going to make our other requests of God really with the right kind of heart or goal in mind. The Lord means us to pray this first so that this is driving our prayer in our petitions. So that we go on to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Because we're praying for his name to be hallowed. And that's how his name will be hallowed. That his kingdom comes and his will is done. That we go on to pray for our needs of the body. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we want to have a life lived on this earth with strength and vigor to hallow his name. He means that we go on to pray for the forgiveness of our sins. That we may have motivation to glorify him, to hallow his name for forgiving us. That we pray not to be led into temptation. So that we may live a holy life that honors his name, brings him glory. In a sense, praying hallowed be thy name is praying for everything because Everything else we pray is to serve this end. This is the, the great petition. This is the chief petition. In fact, it's the only petition that is going to stay on our hearts and lips for all eternity. If you think about it, we're not going to pray, thy kingdom come, 
when we are in heaven because his kingdom will have fully come. It will be here. We're not going to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because earth will be heaven at that point. We won't pray for daily bread anymore because we won't need to eat. We're not going to pray for the forgiveness of sins because we'll have no more sin that needs to be forgiven. We're not going to be praying to be kept from temptation because there will be no such thing as temptation. But we will pray forever and ever, Lord, may thy name be hallowed. It's like we have heaven in our hearts, therefore, when we pray this petition. And maybe that's part of why it's so hard for us to remember to pray this way and to think this way because we can be so earthly minded. And even though we've been granted so much and even though we've been given a sight of how glorious our Father is, it's so easy for us to just shrink back in upon ourselves. And we need this reminder over and over again, Lord, teach us how to pray. That we pray with a focus first, not on ourself, but on Thee. And that that rains down upon our whole prayer. Father, hallowed be Thy name. Let's understand what that means this morning as we take that line of the Lord's Prayer, that first petition under the theme, the chief request, the chief request. We'll notice first, the child's desire. Second, the broad scope of this prayer and that we're praying this to God, asking this of God. The chief request, the child's desire, the broad scope and asked of God. Hallowed be thy name, the Lord says to pray. Praying that, what we are to be praying is this. God, may it be that thy reputation in the earth is holy one. Hallowed be thy name. May thy reputation among the world of men be that thou art the Holy One. God's name in hallowed be thy name is his reputation in this instance. We speak of name that way, don't we? Don't ruin my good name. That means don't ruin my reputation. The Bible speaks of name that way. Proverbs 22 verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A good reputation is rather to be chosen than great riches. When the Lord Jesus himself prayed this first petition, he prayed it this way. Father, glorify thy name. Father, make thy reputation, thy, thy name, be that thou art glorious by what I am doing here upon the cross. And what Jesus prayed there is exactly what he's teaching us to pray in this first petition. Hallowed be thy reputation. May thy reputation be, God, among thy own creatures that thou hast made, that thou art the holy one, the hallowed one, the set-apart one. That's what hallow means. To hallow something is to set it apart. To recognize that it's different, that it's unique, 
that it is distinct, that it is in a class by itself, that it is glorious, different from everything else, when the fourth commandment says that God set apart the, the seventh day and hallowed the Sabbath day. That's what it means. It means He took this one day and He set it apart to be a unique, distinct kind of a day. A day that's reserved for something else, something glorious, distinct and high and pure. God, may your reputation be that thou art glorious, not like anything else, set apart. We're not praying that God would actually become more holy. He can't get any more holy than he is. We're not praying that he would become holier here. Regardless of whether any human being sees his holiness, understands him to be set apart, unique, he is holy. We're praying instead that it would be seen We see it, and we want it to be seen. That his reputation among the people of earth be in accord with what he actually is. He is holy. He is unique. He is set apart. We're praying, Father, may it be that people recognize this about thee. That it's seen. It's the same thing that the psalmist is praying in Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name give glory. We're not praying, Father, that that our name would be somehow set apart and seen as unique and distinct, though in our sin, that's often what we're after. But we're praying that thy name would be seen as glorious, that thou would be given the glory. The people of God see Let sinful men besmirch his reputation. Promote a false reputation of him. Cloud the recognition of who he actually is. And we even see that we do this ourselves by our own sin and weakness. And that all of the the sinfulness of men and our own sinfulness is like, is like the throwing up of so many clouds to block the sun. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun. The Lord will give grace and glory. Sun, S-U-N, compares him to the sun. And he gives out glory. Like the sun sends out rays of heat and light into the earth, God sends out His glory. He makes His glory known. He does that, of course, in all of the revealing of Himself and everything that He's created. All of His works reveal that He's glorious. He does that on the pages of Scripture. He reveals that He's glorious, that He's marvelous, that He is unique, that He is set apart, that He is holy. But the sin of men is like the tossing up of clouds. 
so that there's a disconnect between all of these marvelous things that we see and Him. The sin of man can't stop human beings from seeing His works and that they're glorious. Just like clouds can't stop the the rays of light and heat from getting through and coming down upon the earth. But what they do is they, they break off the connection between those rays and the sun. You, you can't see the sun. And that the sun is the source of this heat and light that's coming to us. That's what the sin of man does. Human beings see all of his glory. They see all the marvelous things that he's done. All of his works and wonders and all of his ways. And if they open the scriptures, they see the, the record of his glory. But mankind in his sin and in his twisting of things throws up clouds so that it disconnects all of this from him. It doesn't trace back to him and they ascribe it to something else. Just think of the theory of evolution. It's not that they don't see the wonders of what he's done. They see it clearly. The marvels of his creative work. But in the theory of evolution, they they block any tracing of that back to him and ascribe it to the thing itself as though material world can somehow accomplish this in itself. And they besmirch the reputation of God. They say that he did not do this. And in men's minds, he's not the glorious one. He's not the holy one, the unique one, the set-apart one. Human beings are the only aspect of God's creation that do this to him. Everything else makes known the reputation of God. Birds sing to the glory of their maker. The cheetah runs in the Serengeti to the glory of God. Stars shine to reveal the glory of Jehovah. Everything else makes his reputation known, but man in his sin clouds it over, tries to cut him off from the glorious things that he's done and connect it to something else, usually back to man itself, and ruin his reputation, besmirch his reputation, give him a false reputation, twist the things that he's done to make him something that he is not. The very crown of his creation does this. The greatest of his works, human beings, clouds his reputation by their sin. But the child of God, you see, recreated in Jesus Christ, knowing him, connecting all that he's done back to him, he doesn't want this to be. He wants this to end. And he wants all these clouds that that disconnect his works from him to dissipate. And so he prays this. God, I see it. I see who thou art and thou art wonderful. And I can't stand this. That thy name is dishonored. That thy reputation is dishonored. Thou art wonderful. Hallow thy name. Cause that it's set apart, is glorious. 
among this race of men. This petition arises then out of an inner desire that only a child of God has. Only the child of God can really pray this. And only the child of God feels the the desire to pray this. There are, of course, unbelievers who might pray the Lord's Prayer. Maybe they were taught it as children, and so maybe once a year they'll pray the Lord's Prayer or something. But if you explain to them what this petition means, hallowed be thy name, I don't think they'd want anything to do with it. Daily bread, maybe, fine. But this gets way too close to the heart of true piety and true sonship for them to have any sense of what this really means. Instead, the response would be, this is the strangest thing in all the world. And you people pray this? And he's the one who teaches you to pray this, and you do it? Doesn't this clue you in to the outmoded religion that you're practicing? That he calls you to pray for his own glory? It's a little bit egotistical of him, don't you think? Something that only a son and a daughter can understand. When you know him and all of his truth and all of his work in Jesus Christ, first of all, you see him as glorious. So do you see his works that trace back to him that he's marvelous. And you see, therefore, that it's just and right and good for him to seek his own glory. There's nothing else worthy of him to seek. And nothing else worthy of us to ultimately seek. It's not proud or selfish or egotistical. It's right. It's good. And then secondly, as a child of God, as a son of God, you get what the scriptures say, how true it is that God has tied the recognition of his holiness and the ascribing to him of this glory to man's own happiness. That he's created human beings in such a way that he has tied their happiness to the seeing of his glory and the recognition of it and the ascribing of it so that the chief end of man is to glorify him and therefore by that glorifying of him to enjoy him forever. And third, it grows within the child of God that he can't really desire anything else anyway. And that out of his new man, this wells up within him. And the more I know him, and the more I see him, and all of his works, and how they trace back to him, and how glorious he is, 
This petition lives within the child of God. This is my Father. And He is marvelous. And He is glorious. And He's the one who did all of these things out here that you see around you. And He's the one who is in control of all of history. And He's the one who created the Gospel by His Son hanging upon a cross and His resurrection from the dead. He's marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. And He's redeemed me and my life out of the pit. He's given me hope and a life. He protects me as my Father. He pardons my sins. He provides for me. He gives me eternity. He gives me a share of His own glory. And I want His reputation to be that He is glorious as He is. And I'm tired as His child. I'm tired of His name being dragged through the mud with childlike reverence for and love for Him. As soon as I come to Him and genuinely pray, my Father, our Father, who art in heaven, the next heartbeat is hallowed be thy name. There is the closest connection between the address of the Lord's Prayer and the first petition. And you can only understand and pray this petition if you have first understood that this God is your Father and you are His child. You have a stake in His glory. I want Him to be glorious, to be known as glorious because He's my Father. And it bothers me when men trample His name underfoot. It bothers me. I want my Father's name to be known. Don't you get the sense of that? That, that childlike desire welling up in the psalmist in Psalm 115, not unto us, O Lord, but to thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Thy truth is great, thy mercy is great. I want thy name to be known. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? Why should all those heathen people there dishonor your name? Question your glory. Our God is in the heavens. He's doing whatsoever He pleases. He's marvelous. The psalmist has this burning desire of a son for the reputation of his father. It's a concern we only have in the Son, Jesus Christ, who plants His own sonship in the hearts of the adopted sons and daughters. This is the Son who prayed this first petition in the Garden of Gethsemane nonetheless. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? What shall my petition be? Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Though my soul is troubled, burdened under the weight of what I must do on the cross, my request is glorify thy name even in this, Father. That's a son. And he plants by the Spirit something of that in the adopted sons and daughters. Is it in you? Is it? 
Is it in me? May it burn more and more, O Jehovah God. Grow more and more. That my love for thee and thy name and thy reputation as the glorious one burn within me. That it be like it was for Henry Martin, the first Calvinist missionary to India. Not the first, but a Calvinist missionary to India in the 1800s. One day, Henry Martin was walking down the street, A Street in India, and he saw a, a drawing that was pasted on the side of a, a building, and he couldn't figure out what it was, and he was trying to figure out what it was, so he walked closer to it, examined it, and when it hit him what it was, he fell on his knees and began weeping. And the people who were with him were trying to figure out what, what just happened. What's going on? Why are you weeping? What's wrong? It was a, a drawing that a, a Muslim man had drawn of Jesus bowing down to Muhammad. And through his tears, he said this, I'm weeping because I cannot bear that my Jesus would be so dishonored. That's a son. Hallowed be thy name, Father. How do we know exactly when and where God is answering this request. In other words, how do we know when and where his name is being hallowed among men? It's evidenced by three things among that people. The three things that the Heidelberg Catechism gives us. First, that these people know and believe the truth about him. Grant us first rightly to know thee. Second, that these people rightly worship him for all of his works. Sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And then third, where these people rightly obey him. Further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Where those three things are taking place. Where is the embrace of the right knowledge of this Jehovah God as he has revealed himself? Where is the right worship of this Jehovah God in recognition of all of his works so that praises are ascribed to him? The line is being traced back to him. He has done this and we're ascribing it to him. And third, where there is obedience to him that his name be honored, 
He is the one who gave these commands, and so I honor them because He's glorious and worthy of this obedience. Where those three things are taking place, there His name is being hallowed. And when the child of God is praying this request, hallowed be thy name, he's praying first, Father, more and more make it that those three things are evident in my own life as thy son. In me. So that I'm not besmirching thy glory so that I'm not hurling up dark clouds that would cut off thy works from the worker. This first petition is very broad in scope, as we'll see here in the second point, but it begins very narrow, beloved, and then it broadens out. It's first very personal, this petition. That the child of God prays this, thinking about his own sin and his own besmirching of his father's name by his sin, and he despises it. Father, thou hast placed thy name upon thy people in the midst of this world. And I understand what that means. To be a Christian means that God has tied, in a sense, his reputation in this world to me. In part, He's put His name, His reputation upon me. And therefore, my desire is that I live in such a way that other people say He's glorious by looking at me. Isn't that what troubles you the most about your sin, beloved? Isn't that the ugliness of our sin? It's one thing for the unbelieving world to toss up these clouds. But that I, as his son, as his daughter, would add to them by my own sin, by my rebellion, that I would mask the uniqueness of this God the glory of his name. That my child, that my neighbor, that my coworker would think by what comes out of my mouth, by, by the way that I approach my life, my attitude, my behavior, that this God is not worthy. That he is common, that he's not unique, that he's not set apart, that he's no different from Buddha or from, from Allah. He's just another one of these gods out there that people make up. And that this religion is just, it's just something that you happen to be into. It's not really true, it's not really real. And that therefore who this God is and that what he says matters very little. That he's not glorious. That he's not unique. That he's not set apart. Isn't that what bothers you about your sin? Wouldn't it about kill you? What God would say of you 
what he had to say of Israel at one point in his history. And when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, the heathen profaned my holy name when they said, These are the people of the Lord. O Lord, I know who thou art. May it be that in my life, as thy son and daughter, I know thee rightly. I, I ascribe praise to thee, right praise to thee. And I live in such a way that I don't besmirch your reputation, but that I make known that thou art the glorious one. That's what you're praying first. But then it broadens out from there, beloved. The child of God here this morning who prays this petition, who wants God's reputation to be holy, one wants it to be his reputation here in his congregation, in our church, and in our denomination, and always to be so. And so he prays it with that scope in mind too. He has a zeal for the right knowledge of Jehovah God here in this congregation, his congregation. And in his denomination, this denomination. And so he cares what comes off of this pulpit that we might rightly know thee. That God's uniqueness, his greatness, his holiness come forth from this pulpit that we understand who he is. That we tremble before his majesty. That we fall down in love for him, for his grace. And so we support the propagation of that word that goes forth. And so we pray for the elders who faithfully watch over this flock. That his name not be besmirched amongst us. We pray that there never be a clamor for, for man-centered worship here that brings God low as though He's just another one of us. We pray that together we resist the temptation of the age to fall to the culture of the day. That our lives not besmirch the uniqueness of this God. But it broadens out even from there, doesn't it? The child of God who's, who's praying this, he's thinking about himself first, that I would make sure his, his name is honored and in my congregation and denomination. But then he broadens out too. And he prays this as he thinks about the whole church world. The whole church, the visible church that goes under the banner of God's name. God, make it be that in thy church thy name is honored, hallowed. And when I look out at the church world, I see there is hallowing of thy name under thy banner. And it's marvelous and I'm thankful for that. And I see also that there isn't. There's dishonoring of thy name. There's a, there's a twisting of thy word. There's a besmirching of thy truth. And that bothers me. Father, 
Thy own name is sometimes even dragged in the mud. In thy own name. Hallowed be thy name. May thy reputation be who thou art in thy church, Father. And then it even broadens out from there, doesn't it? As the child of God prays this petition, he looks even beyond the visible church under the banner of God's name. And he looks out into the nations of the world and those who are outside of Jesus Christ. And he prays, Father, hallowed be thy name. I see in the midst of thy own world people calling evil good and good evil. I see people making a a light thing out of thy name, taking thy name in vain, dishonoring thy name, making a mockery of thee and of thy truth. And it about kills me, Father. And he cries out, hallowed be thy name. And at this level, this broad of a scope, part of what he means then, is Father bless the cause of missions and evangelism. So that thy gospel brings people out of a state where they are dishonoring thy name and disconnecting thee from all of thy works into a state by thy sovereign powerful grace where they are connecting it to thee and honoring thee and seeing thee who thou art, rightly knowing thee and rightly worshiping thee as the Holy One on their knees before thee and ascribing to thee praise for all of thy works and living under thy rule because thou art worthy of it. And so the child of God has a love for missions and for evangelism. He prays for that work. He's engaged in that work. He gives for that work for this purpose ultimately. That God's reputation as the unique one might be known and appropriated in right knowledge, right worship, right living in places where it was not previously. Augustine, when he expounds this first petition. Luther, when he expounds this first petition. Calvin, when he expounds this first petition. All at some point point to this, to the cause of missions. And strikingly, so does the psalmist. In Psalm 115. In fact, as the psalmist prays this first petition, really, he himself broadens his scope just the way we have done now in this second point of the sermon. He begins very personally, to thy name be glory, Father, in me. And then he broadens out to the church. Verse 9, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. O Israel, trust in the Lord. Know him. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. And then beyond that, he thinks about the world of unbelief too. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done what he has pleased. 
child of God prays. This petition, all of these levels in the broadening scope. Father, make thy name glorious. Father, make thy name, reputation, glorious. We're requesting this of God. It's it's building in our heart and soul, and and it's coming out as a child to a father. We're asking him to accomplish it. Father, hallowed be thy name. That point cannot be overlooked. The Lord is teaching us in this first petition that this is what we are to desire as sons and daughters and will as sons and daughters, but he's also teaching us that as much as we desire it and should desire it and should seek it, we can't all by ourselves accomplish it. And so we have to ask him to do it. The catechism catches the point by starting its explanation of this petition this way. That is, grant this. God, this is our desire as thy children. But it has to be thee in the end who grants it, not us. Only you can work in the heart the intimate knowledge of thyself, the clearing of those clouds and the connecting of all thy works back to thyself. Only you can sanctify a life so that it's rightly lived to thy glory. Only thou canst produce groups of people in churches that honor thee, that know thee, that rightly worship thee and live for thee. Only thou canst grant reformation in thy church where that isn't the case. Only thou can go in the heart of an unbeliever and turn that heart unto thyself. And the child of God, again, starting with himself and seeing his own sins and his own weaknesses, he prays for God to do this continually in him. God uses means, of course, and he himself uses those means, but he prays that God would accomplish this because ultimately it's him He has the power. He is able. And he does it. He's been answering this petition prayed by his church all throughout history, beloved. He has gathered his people to himself. He has progressively sanctified them through their life. He has gathered them in in true churches He's caused that people live to his glory. He sent his word out through missions, through evangelism, and it's drawn people to himself all throughout the history of the world more and more in the New Testament age, to be sure. But he's answered this petition. And one day, he's going to answer it by sanctifying his people wholly so that there's nothing in them that besmirches his name. He's going to answer it by drawing every single one of his elect out of the nations unto himself so that the full body is complete, he's going to answer it even. 
by showing himself to the unbelieving in the end to such a point that every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess. They threw clenched teeth and with anger, but they will still say it. You are glorious. This is the chief request and the burden of the soul of a son. Father, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Father, indeed, hallow thy own name in us, amongst us, and to all nations of the earth for thy glory. And thanks for answering this request, O God. Continue to do so until that great day. In Jesus' name, amen.